Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. My name is Reverend Bonnie Barnard, and I am your guest host tonight. And I am thrilled to have with us as our guest, Matt Kahn. And Matt Kahn grew up in the L.A. area thinking he was a screenwriter. However, he had an out-of-body experience at age 8 that was a profound spiritual awakening, again, at age 18 and 28. Wow, there's a lot of 8s in there. And now he's come to become an inspirational speaker, teacher, intuitive healer. And he hangs out with the big guys and um, does so by right of consciousness. So I look forward to a fabulous interview this evening with Matt. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. Likewise. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, you know, your, your bio and your information says that you're a healer. Tell me what that means to you. Oh, let's see. It seems like every other day that seems to change my life. But working as a healer, um, in my work with the Ascended Masters and the Archangels, which I've been working with uh, since uh, consciously since I was about 18 years old, hmm. about maybe 12, 12 years now, um, I have become aware that one of my gifts is being able to create what's called a transmission of presence, that wow. um, I can live as an open space in, in the alignment of their messages and energy, and that I can become a transparent vessel for which the frequencies of the higher dimensions can pass through my body and be transmitted into the subconscious minds of, of clients and, and groups that we speak with, and being able to allow the energy to be received so that whatever, um, whatever disharmonies are occurring in the energetic field or the subconscious mind have the chance to process and be released so that people can then return to the harmony of their own natural, uh, their own natural divine nature. So do you do individual sessions, or is this all a collective thing? Well, I do individual sessions, but I do believe that it is our ability to work on ourselves that is what's really adding to the collective consciousness so that, you know, there's a lot of people that will come to sessions and they'll ask, you know, what can I do to help humanity, or I don't feel as if Mm -hmm. right now what I'm doing in the world is big enough to assist in, in global consciousness of reaching peace. And the reality is, is that just working on ourselves and bringing ourselves to that inner place of stillness and being able to live as we do, existing from that place of stillness so that throughout the day, whatever you're called to do, whether it's go to the grocery store, go to your work, and and whatever really comes about your day, that the real true purpose is to live throughout all those moments from an open space of willingness and a place of presence. And it's that open space that allows the heart to open, you know, really allowing the mind to go to sleep and to not disturb that place of presence that really offers to everyone that you're passing by that open space to remind them of their own true divine nature. So in order for us to really realize on a collective level what is already here, it really is about us taking the time to go within our own selves. And that's just the work that I do to help usher everyone into their own true divine nature and being able to awaken to the earth angel that we've all come here to be. That's beautiful. When you, when you said... Um Sometimes we think, you know, just working on ourselves, and it reminds me that there really is only one of us. Yeah, there, there's one true undivided self. Yeah. And, and, that, so, and so, you know, it's kind of like, well, what else is there to do? <laughs> right, and, and it was funny. I was actually talking to a client today about this in a session. We were talking about the one true undivided self, yeah. and it was the realization that if there is only one true undivided self, then what this me that I've confused as a separate self is merely just one of billions of molecules in the body of God. Yes. And being able to just allow that space that you occupy, that that space of awareness, to be that harmonious molecule in the body of God and allowing you know, us really to have the spiritual strength to surrender the willingness to the undivided true self um, 
and, and, and I think for a lot of times or in a lot of instances, um, it is that concept of there being a divided self or this yeah. misnotion, you know, misunderstanding of me that really can kind of distort our perception of reality. And I think when we really get into a deep place of awakening, I know for me, that word me became an acronym that stood for my experience. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. I know that um, it wasn't until I went into metaphysics right. that I really understood that Bible scripture about, um, you know, there's one body in Christ and, and there's a foot and an arm and a leg and you don't cut one off or whatever. Sure. And I, um, that Bible verse took on huge meaning for me then because I really, I loved your analogy that we're all um, like different cells. Yes. In that one body, and, and um, when we come to that place of understanding, then it has a whole different dimension for how we perceive forgiveness and connection and love and, and um, all of those words that at one point can just be an idea um, or can really take life when we have that understanding and that experience of the oneness. Right, and I think that all these, you know, all these pearls of wisdom in essence, are, are at the very best just pointers pointing to the unconditioned level of consciousness or even just the words we use can just be pointers towards that place of yeah. silence where we can enter into a direct experience where we can actually let go of the concepts, mm-hmm. let go of the ideas, and just enter into a space where on, on, on sometimes the deepest level, the only mm-hmm. spiritual instruction, once we get deep enough through all the different layers, becomes simply to become more comfortable in the not knowing. So tell us about your spiritual awakening. Oh, my goodness. Well, when I was eight, I went to sleep like any other night, and I um, woke up, and, and, and to me, I, I thought this was a dream. I woke up in this most amazing garden. It was the most beautiful garden I've ever seen. The colors were brighter than anything I could even articulate. And, and all I can explain to you, because I can recall this as... as it happened when I was eight years old, but it, you know, it seems like it was just yesterday. Sure. The, the colors were so bright that the, the energy coming from these beautiful colors held me in a space of love I had never even experienced before. And, and oh. what I've always said is that the love coming from this, this, these beautiful bright colors in this garden, it broke my heart, but it broke my heart open. And I mm-hmm. felt so held in a place of love. And as a child, there was a reoccurring fear for me to always you know, know where I was, and I didn't like being in unfamiliar places. And I remember the first thought I had in the garden was, I don't know where I am. And it doesn't matter. And I remember oh. being completely floored by that. And as I started walking through the garden, through this field of you know, waist-high flowers, and I can feel my legs really pushing through this field of waist-high flowers, I suddenly realized that while I can feel my legs pushing through this field, mm-hmm. simultaneously I was hovering above them. Mm-hmm. Couldn't explain it. Couldn't understand it. But it, there was such a love holding me that it was just this acceptance of, apparently now this is happening. And then in front of me, and this, you know, hovering above the, of the field of flowers, was this figure in a white robe, dark beard, and, and dark hair motioning me towards them. And I didn't really move, and I started, to be, I started to float towards this being. And when I got face-to-face with the being, there was this white light coming out of its eyes. Mm-hmm. And as an eight-year-old child, for some reason, I thought of, you know, the scary movies when people would flip their eyes sure. upside down. Sure. And at that moment, in that association... It felt like I fell through the garden, through the clouds, and back in my body. Wow. And the feeling of falling back in my body was a very specific and jarring feeling that mm-hmm. you'll never forget. 
Sure. I fell back in my body, shaking, cold sweat, and in the corner of my eye in the doorway, I saw the same figure in this etheric, white, chalky material motioning me towards him, and I looked, and it disappeared. And, you know, the next morning, I was talking to my parents about this, and it turns out that my father actually had the exact same experience 25 years before I did. Awesome. And from that moment on, I began to, I began to sense that same uh, a team of 10 of these beings walking with me in that white etheric material that I could at, at first only see through my peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. And they came with the love of the garden, so there was never a sense of I'm being chased or who is this. And th- there, there came a knowingness with this. Yeah. Like I remember talking to my friend about this, and I'm sure you know, my, my friend at that time thought I was out of my mind. Sure. But he, he, I said, oh, there are these ten beings with me. And he said, well, who are they? <laughs> I said, well, these are my guides. Well, what are guides? And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> but this is just what it is. It was as if the knowing of that answer was more certain than me knowing my name. Yeah. And they said, well, what are they here to teach you? I don't know, but it will happen. And so there began from that experience the sense of knowingness. Um, of, of, of course, it didn't do anything to save me from, from eight years old going through school. I was going to think, yeah. And, 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 and living a life wishing I was everyone but myself. Right. It didn't save me from that, and thank God it didn't, because it gave me a chance just to kind of have that experience and at that moment. Yeah. It, it didn't really mean anything. And then at 18, when I was using my intuitive abilities to write screenplays, because I thought, oh, I can see visions of movies, and apparently my mind is a camera, and I'll write movies, and I, they began speaking to me, and they said, you know, you're not who you think you are. Hmm. And I said, who is this? And from that point on at 18, I, I spent time in my room at my parents' house, and they began speaking to me. I began hearing them, seeing them, and feeling them at the same time. So I would, over this 10-year process, use these, hear, these abilities to hear, see, and feel as a way of learning how to decode the messages and really you know, listening to what they were saying. And they began to teach me about consciousness from outside the third dimension. And I, at this point, I had you know, an interest in wondering what, is beyond what we can see. But I had really no point of reference to any of this, and I think that was part of the blessing that I didn't know anyone associated to this, and I didn't have anyone really explaining this to me, so it was just me being completely open to it. And for 10 years, I spent time with, you know, who, who, you know, who I you know, came to know as Archangel Michael and St. Germain sure. and Jesus and Mother Mary and Buddha. And, and there's about 18 to 20 some odd of these beings that I've met and they each have different things to teach me and I through this process began to realize I could work as a healer and really the healing work that I learned to do was just to remove the obstacles and to remove the veil so that all of us could be could come into full alignment with not only what we're capable of but who we truly are so how did that impact your adolescence and your dating and stuff I mean that's that's um, exciting and it's pretty yeah. heavy. Well, it, it was funny because I would have, you know, I had my normal adolescence, and then I, when I was eighteen or twenty-eight, I would spend these time speaking to, to the guides. And what was interesting is they would teach me things, and they would suggest like, when you're about to do this, we suggest you make this decision. And and I would say, you know, I, I hear you. Wow. But I think I'm going to do this instead. And then they would say, as you wish. And the voice that I, the voice that I'm speaking of is, is usually um, my main guy's name is Melchizedek. Okay. And he's, he looks like almost Gandalf the Wizard, long white beard. Oh, okay. Very, very beautiful, stoic man. And he would just say, as you wish, we will stand here. You do what you want to do, and when you're done, we'll continue. Beautiful. And so I would go about, sometimes they would say, well, you know, if you make this decision, this will happen. And I'd make the, um, 
you know, immature decision anyway because I wanted my experience. Sure. They would wait till I was done, and I would continue. And then it was beautiful because I got to see for myself what they were talking about. They would teach me, and the mind within myself, this, this mind that was still convinced that this me was a separate, sure. you know, self from them, you know, oh, I hear what you're saying, but I, I still want my experience. And so I got to really have the knowledge as well as the experiences. And it, it, really, it, it really didn't affect that aspect of my life. It just, when I spoke to the guides, became a sense of this feels so beyond right and this is what I had hoped and wished the school that I spent so many years in would be. Wow. That, that, as a child, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I, I knew that what school I was learning from and you know, I went through school and I graduated and used my intuition to somehow get through that, that this is what I had wished it was. Mm. And so it really felt so comfortable and it just felt like pieces of what I really was was coming together and really, really helped me to understand, you know, why am I making the decisions I'm making? Not is it a good decision or a bad decision, but what is really motivating me to make the decision? And once I knew that, once I really knew why I was making decisions, then it totally changed how I was seeing how I was seeing reality, and I and I would, you know, for this ten year process was, you know, became the guy that would talk to angels and the guides, and there was mm-hmm. a lot of friends of mine that really, you know, were, were, you know, had very mixed emotions about that, sure. especially because they had come to know me as someone totally different, and even at that point, even at that point, I came to a place in my life where. Instead of focusing on all the problems I wanted to fix in my life or all the parts of myself that I wanted to change, you know, I was working, bringing messages to people from the angels. And instead of worrying about myself, I was worrying about being good enough to bring these messages through. And I started to realize that my mind had just, you know, put my problems in a different costume. Mm. And this was one of, you know, because I had, I had a, this awakening at eight, which was kind of like the foreshadowing of everything else, and then right. at 18 and 28, and one of the bigger realizations I had was, was at 28, and what happened was they said, we want to show you something. And this is, what, this is one of the, you know, those graduating moments when you, you go into that place of no return, that point of no return. And what happened was they, they took me up into, you know, through a meditation and into the Akashic Records, um, which in the vision looked like uh, the Lincoln Memorial with white pillars, kind of like these Roman columns. And all of the guides were there standing side by side. And, you know, there was all these ascended masters and angels standing there. There was, you know, Jesus, Buddha, Mother Mary, and all these archangels. And then I kind of walked up. And to me, the feeling was kind of funny. It was kind of like going to some gourmet buffet, and you're the one that brings the napkins. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, you know, it was like, okay, I'm here. And they said, we want to show you something. And they all reached underneath their chins. And now all of a sudden it was like their faces were masks and they pulled off the masks and they were all me. And this was one of the most astounding things I've ever experienced because they said to me, Wow. They said to me the following. They said, just as if in this moment you went back into the past and visited yourself as a child, Mm -hmm. you as a child would not recognize you as what it's becoming or its evolution. It would recognize you as everything it's not in this moment. Yeah. And it would see you as an angel, and we are not only what you're becoming, but we are what you've already become. Yeah. And we were stepping back into the present moment to visit ourselves in spiritual childhood. Mm. That, at that moment, was when even though I thought, you know, I have all this information about the angels and what we're here to do and energy and vibrations and all that kind of stuff, even though 
I thought I had, you know, reached that place of this is what I'm here to do. That was the point in which everything changed. And the information... And you were 28 then? 28. Mm-hmm. And I'm 30. That was like two years ago. And yeah. since then, there has been an absolute... I call it an unraveling. Yeah. An absolute unraveling of everything I thought I knew. I got to this place with my development where they said, in order to continue, you can stay at whatever level you want to stay at, but if you wish to continue... Everything that you've learned, you must now throw into the fire. Yeah. And you must now become comfortable. As comfortable as you are with all your knowledge, you must become as equally comfortable in the not knowing. Yeah. To not try to solve the mystery, but to become the mystery. Yep. And that's when my work really started to change, and I realized that my work wasn't to um, necessarily be one who identifies himself with being a healer, but a space in which I can provide a transmission of presence to allow everyone to realize their own true divine nature. Beautiful. Well, I am having so much fun with this interview. My name is Reverend Bonnie Barnard, and I'm a guest host tonight for the Dr. Pat Show. And tonight we have as our guest Matt Kahn. Did I say that right? Yep, Matt Kahn. And his email address is or his website is www.themessengeronline.com. That's themessengeronline.com. And to call his office, um, it's 253-639-0770. That's 253-639-0770. So, um, Matt, (laughs) I have like a million questions to ask you now. Beautiful. It's so exciting. Um, now, I have heard the term many times, and you used it in your um, story when you were um, 28, and you talked about um, some kind of file. Was it a cache file? Tell me that word again. Cache file. Is that what you called it? When you oh, were... oh the, the Akashic Records? Akasha Records. Yeah, Akashic Records. Um, I have heard that many times, and I've never asked anyone what that is. What is that? It's um, the, the way it looked to me was like a library Mm -hmm. on a higher level of consciousness on the etheric realm. Okay. So so it would be like, you know, if you could imagine, like, um, a library (laughs) attached to heaven. That's the best way I can visualize it. Mm -hmm. And we go into the library, and there's all these these books, and each of them are, uh, you know, the the books for every soul, and each page is of different lifetimes and contracts that we have. Okay. and, and, And the agreements of what we came down here to to do and learn, and, and so, you know, the idea, there are many interpretations of the word karma, and to me what I understand karma to be through my own experiences is that there are reoccurring themes in our lives that are only arising because we agreed to come down here and fulfill the learning of certain things. So the karma would be the reminders of, this is what I'm here to learn, and when we come into full agreement, and when, when our life is transformed into a working practice of putting all that we are becoming aware of and learning into practice, then we're not clearing karma like we're serving some sort of prison sentence. We're clearing right. karma in terms of we're coming into right relationship with the knowledge we came to learn. And really, you know, we can look at lifetimes. I look at lifetimes as all happening at the same time. Yes, you know, and, and, absolutely. And, and so it's all just that perception. It's all one lifetime, of course. Mm-hmm. But when we get to a place of being able to embody the qualities of spirit mm-hmm. unconditionally. It is just the movement of that embodiment of spirit unconditionally that allows us to just become that what we've been searching to connect with. And, of course, 
<clears throat> when I work with the Ascended Masters, it's all the information that I'm getting intuitively. They're just providing me from the Akashic Records and the information that I have. Um, and I remember in the beginning when I was doing work, it wasn't necessarily ever designed to be prediction work of what's going to happen in the future. Sure. I always intuitively knew that my job was to let this person know on a deep level why are things right now happening the way they're happening? What does this really mean? What's 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 really hiding for you in this moment? And what's 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 really the gift for you to receive in this moment? And when we really realize that, I think it totally changes the dynamic of what life can be, and it certainly allows us to be able to step out of that uh, mind stream where the mind can distort reality based on really only a story it's creating. So when you have a conversation with someone, like right now you and I are talking, right. when you have a conversation, do you actually see things? Like do you see things about me, um, like you know, when you're talking to a grocery store clerk or with anyone? Sure. Or is that um, um, kind of background now that your focus and intention is on um, being a space? Well, I used to get all that information right up front, and in the beginning, one of the ways they brought me into a place of absolute certainty with the information is they would ask me to deliver messages to people, you know, randomly. The more <laughs> random it was, the better that they would, the more often they would ask me to do it, and that was getting me to a place of certainty. That was getting me over myself. Sure. And, and then at a certain point, what happened is that the celebration of my skills became one where I could actually turn it, I wouldn't say turn it off and on. Sure. Um, but it's, it's that my homework, just as a student of this university like we all are, is to see everyone as already whole yes. and an equal expression of the one true undivided self. Yes. And so what, what I recognize is that when people have questions, a question is coming from that space within them that says, I am now ready for something of a different level of awareness to, to be welcomed into my reality, and I'm ready to now embody more of that space of presence yes. that hides within me. So, so really it's, it's the questions people ask that invite that, this, this experience in, and without that, I'm just under the assumption that no matter what they've got going on in their life, it's working for one way or the other. Yeah. Especially if it's, you know, I've had people in my life where um, they've had a lot of things going on that, that, that are troubling them, mm-hmm. and yet without a question about it, you know, it, it's just someone who is choosing to be lost in the struggle of that egoic identity, and and it's not for me to simply assume that what I'm going to say is going to help them, because right. if they did need help, they would be asking. Right. And so it's to it's to fully be present in everyone's experience, and to know that just by loving the experience they're having, loving the the wisdom they're about to come into contact with, and loving the totality of their own experience, because of what's going to give them what what's going to happen to them eventually, and even what's giving them right now, I'm only there to be in devotion to that. And so, really, for me, the invitation to open up all those gifts comes with the questions. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so you're in an intimate, loving relationship, right? I am. You have a partner. I do. Is that what you, is that what, um, how do you identify yourself? What do you call each other? Soul partners. Soul partners. Okay. Soul partners. I mean, we, we work together, uh, Julie uh, and, and I are, are quite a, Quite a dynamic duo, and so, you know, so tell me, so tell me how you do that. Um, and I, I find it fascinating. Um, first of all, um, all of us can learn from wonderful, loving models of relationship. Sure. And um, I always um, find it um, interesting when um, a partner such as yourself has had the kind of revelations, and you come together with another human being, um, how, how does that work for you um, 
as who you are and, um, uh, you know, when, when it comes to decision-making and that kind of stuff. Give us some nitty-gritty. Right. Well, what's interesting is that, and Julie and I were talking about this the other night, is that really us being in a relationship and the way it is, is that we celebrate our love by recognizing that to each other we are the spaces that we, oh. that we allow each other to surrender to. Isn't that beautiful? So she is, she is who I surrender to. Yes. And in that, I come into even deeper contact in knowing and being in an intimate relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Julie embodies all of the qualities that make it easy for me to recognize in every moment mm-hmm. how clearly love is present in my life. And so she makes it very easy for me to deepen my intimate relationship with reality. Yeah. And really, Julie to me or for me to Julie is we just represent a gateway into a more intimate relationship with reality. So even like when I'm living, when I'm driving wherever I'm going or if she's going where she's going and I don't happen to be with her, that love that we share together stays alive in both of our hearts and we carry that love with us. And so whether in the, you know, whether we're face to face or whether we're off doing our own thing, the love that we share together never fades and never diminishes because, of course, I exist only as a symbol or a representation right. of what she allows in and vice versa. Right. That is so beautiful. So um, um, how does that work as far as masculine and feminine energies go? Well, she, uh, Julie and I both are under the impre- uh, you know, the way we look at things is that there's both masculine and feminine in all of us. And so what we do is, you know, for, for both of us... Um, it's not so much as if she does what she does to be the feminine, I'm doing the masculine. Sure. It's more of just how working together, and of course in any relationship, you know, we, oh, we both trigger stuff in each other that we can grow from and release, and we look at each other as you know, basically living in a, in a nonstop sp- spiritual retreat, constantly yeah. healing ourselves and releasing uh, the repressed emotions of the past and, and all that. But really... She is an individual, I'm an individual aspect of, of, of spaciousness, and we are the reminders of each other of how whole this moment is. And so I think the relationship and where we find ourselves is, is really um, not limited by the masculine or the feminine, but just what we come together and experience is a reminder of how every moment is already whole. You know, that, and that doesn't really uh, divide us as masculine and feminine or even man and woman. But just, sure. you know, when we come together, that which arises as love within us is reminding us both where that wholeness exists within, yeah. within ourselves. Yes, I love um, reading mystical writings when it talks about, um, you know, there is no gender. Right. That, that it, at the essence, there is no gender. Absolutely. Um, in form, of course, we show up that way, and yet um, um, in, in love, it's all one. And even if you imagine two lovers embracing, the, the idea of a lover doesn't necessarily specify whether that's the male lover or the female lover. So the lover is, is genderless, and if you think of two lovers embracing as one, the embrace of lovers is often done in a moment of inner silence. There's that sigh of, ah, this is what love feels like. This is what it feels like for my heart to open as I pour it into loving this person. But it's two lovers coming together, two separate aspects coming together as one in a, in a joint, spacious moment of silence. And Julie and I both met each other in moments in our life when we were both individually ready to enter into that deep, profound journey of silence. And wow. so that's really what our love celebrates is 
together as one, we take this journey of silence. Oh, so I have a whole bunch more love questions, but I want to make sure to give your information out again. Sure. This is um, Reverend Bonnie Barnard, and I'm filling in tonight for Dr. Pat Basile on the Dr. Pat Show. And we have as our amazing guest, Matt Kahn, and Matt can be reached at www.themessengeronline.com. That's www.themessengeronline.com, and the phone number is 253-639-0770. And Matt, um, tell us if you do any, how people would find out about what you do publicly, so that if they're... Um, if you know if they're just like so anxious to come and, and see you, do you do local sat song events or? Yeah, we do local sat song events where we regularly appear at East West Bookshop and venues such as that. Oh, um, in Seattle? Yeah, in Seattle. On Roosevelt Way? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I believe so. I, I moved to Seattle a few years ago, so I'm still learning the streets. But um, I, I believe that is on our appearance page on the website at themessengeronline.com. We have all of our upcoming events. Um, we regularly travel to different stages, states coming up. I think we're going to be in Las Vegas and Los Angeles. That We're, we're going to be also going to India for a few weeks. Oh, great. Yeah, and, and so we have a way, we're regularly traveling to different places, and uh, we, we do our sat song events where we provide this, this transmission of presence, and within that we also do some, some breath work, some chanting, and it's really just to, to ground the energy of this presence into our body. And, uh, and, and really the way I look at sat song or the association of truth you know, speaking of things on such a deep level where we kind of get out of the fog of identification and really get down to, you know, just, just entering into a space of silence, is that sometimes a spiritual journey can be about, you know, being in search of spirit. And a lot of times in a spiritual journey, we exist as human beings that reflect to the world what, it likes to, what, what it's like to be someone who is in search of spirit and still hasn't found it. And so the satsang events, I believe, is to not search for spirit, but to celebrate how the search is over. That yeah. in everywhere you are, and whatever you're interacting with, that in that space, on the deepest level, is the spirit you're looking for. Even within yourself, it's already there. So, yeah. so the satsang events that we do provide a lot of healing energy and a lot of re- space for people to realize what they've come to learn. But it really, truly is a celebration of how the search for spirit is over. And you also have um, a CD out, isn't that correct? Yeah, we just did the, Awaken, the, the Awakening, the Earth Angel, and You CD. We had had a sad song event at our house, and we recorded it. Okay. And we went back and listened to the recording of people asking questions, providing the answers. And we were really amazed to find out that the energy in the recording um, was just as clear as it was that night. You know, that night there was a lot of interesting energies coming through and a lot of powerful moments, and that kept on the recording and so we decided to make the CD available because we wanted to give a resource so that people at any time could be in this energy a lot of times people in between doing the, the um, healing work with me in sessions mm-hmm. will listen to the CD just to be in the energy and even people that sure. um, I can't get a chance to um, connect with will use the CD as a way of being in the energy all the time I, I, I do the healing work I do both in person and over the phone and there really truly isn't any difference with energy but this Awakening the Earth Angel CD allows people to be in direct connection with the energy over and over and over again as a supplement of being able to awaken that space where the presence within them is truly alive. So you've talked several times about um, being the space and having the energy being that which heals. Give us um, some examples of um, how someone has come to you and like what they would come for and and 
what happens with that energy. So, like, you know, kind of give um, for some of us who may not be so clear about sure. what you're talking about, what that might look like. Let's see. I've, I've done a uh, – it, it really goes across the board. I've recently worked with a few clients who have had MS. I've worked with people that have had uh, difficulty seeing clearly. I had a client come to me who had difficulty uh, seeing clearly. And at the end of one of the sessions, we were working on a different subject, and I kind of just tuned into there was a blockage in her third eye. I energetically went in and shifted some things. And for the first time in her life, she could actually see clearly without her glasses. Oh, and cool. And can that was, that was, can you know. send me some of that energy right now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll so, take a dose. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really amazing. And I've worked with people that have had um, some very advanced stages of cancer, and, and one of the... You know, and so we've worked with cancer, we've worked with um, eyesight, we've worked with MS, we've, we've worked also with de- depression, we've also worked with physical injuries. Mm-hmm. And one of the most amazing things that I've had the honor of being a part of is even for people that are um, not necessarily in a place to heal, but are ready to use the healing process as a way of transitioning to the other side. Now, I've been a part of helping people cross over very um, uh-huh. calmly and efficiently. So the examples you gave me were all um, health examples. Does this... Um Shift for relationships and finances and oh, of course. I mean, I mean, okay. everything is truly energy. So mm-hmm. people will come to me for relationship stuff, and in the relationship healing that we do, shifting the energies. Of course, um, I've had people that have lost weight as a as an, another after effect of that work. I've had people that have come to me um, looking to make more money or manifest more abundance. And as an after effect, the relationship with their family improves. And so what I look at is that exactly what will cause the body to come into physical harmony mm-hmm. is exactly what frees the emotions into a space of freedom. Say that, that again. Would, Say that again. Exactly what will allow the body to come into physical harmony okay. is exactly what will allow the heart to awaken, wow. the, the, the egoic mind to silence, Wow. And allow everything in your reality to come into harmony because anytime there's, there's something going on, whether it's physical, emotional, whether it's um, something in our external reality that we're in conflict with, mm-hmm. it's nothing more than a sign that we are not living in harmony with reality. And so the healing work truly is designed to lead that people to... That is so well said. Okay, Thank go you. ahead. That, no. I mean, that just... When you said that, I just like, ah... So go ahead. Yeah, it's all, I mean, truly people say it's all one, but it truly is. It's just leading people back to their truest divine nature so that in getting to know what they really are, they can celebrate that through a deeper, more intimate relationship with reality. And it's living in that deeper, intimate relationship with reality uh-huh. that allows everything to come into a place of harmony. And when you say reality, that means that's like me using the word God. Uh, reality would be the physical expression of God. Okay. So the every place you go, the everything you see would be just examples of reality. And and, um, it's kind of like I was talking to a client the other day and I said, you know, Earth to me is just heaven wearing a costume. There's this giant costume party and the only one that's invited is God and God comes as everything. Mm. And so it's really getting into a reality. It's, It's not looking at Earth as the place we must escape to find heaven, but to find the heaven that is disguised as earth. Mm. And, and there's no leaving the present moment and discovering that. And when we can just spend our day, like, you know, like I said before, if you wanted to go to the store, if you want to go to your work, whatever you do on that level is, is one thing. But to spend the entire day 
spending eight hours or whatever a day in a space of presence with your heart open that you can do everything from such a deliberate space of presence with the heart open, with the mind at peace, that your body is actually healing itself while you're doing all these activities because your body in that sense of peace, being so aligned with spirit, doesn't know the difference between you being in that space and you sleeping at night. So, so um, when, when you're talking, what came into my mind was um, people who have had just tremendous trauma in their life. Absolutely. Um, so people who've had loved ones killed or, sure. um, you know, all the war stuff going on or 9-11. Or, sure. Um, so um, how, does, how does the earth as heaven in disguise work for the individual experience someone may have that they label traumatic? Well, I think that what happens that in every moment, whatever happens to us is truly an invitation into our deepest awakening. And I think that everything outside of us, you know, we, we can look at it two different ways. I can say that everything outside of me is separate from me, and, is, and it's almost like a, a stopwatch. I can go into that sense of self that everything is separate from me, and, and even in a, just a few seconds of existing a self, inherently in that realm of self, there has to be a problem. And so what happens is, is that the other possibility is that every single thing, every circumstance, and every person in my life is, is only manifested in my reality as a teacher in disguise that is here to help invite me out of this fog of attachment, out of this sense of identification, that when I really see people as teachers and nothing more, then what I'm, I realize is that the end result of this moment is, is somewhat meaningless. The only goal for me is to serve this teacher in disguise that they themselves, as a good teacher, probably won't even know that they're this teacher to me, that I am to get through this moment as peacefully as possible, and whatever unconsciousness I observe, I am just to meet that level of unconsciousness with the same level of intensity, but in a space of willingness, a space of openness, and a space of peace. And it's... The reason this occurs this way is because, you know, we spend time portraying all these characters and having fun in this reality and being lost in the portrayal of all these characters in reality. And it, when, we, when we are at a place in our life when we wish to heal, when we wish to fix our, you know, financial, um, our, our financial uh, situation or we wish to heal our physical body or we wish to heal from some traumatic event, whatever those are, those are all invitations into this awakening process where we are... Now aligning ourselves with spirit or the energy that fills all space and time, and we are learning to embody the qualities of spirit on an unconditional level. Spirit operates on an unconditional level, so in order to be one with spirit, we learn to embody these qualities of peace, love, and acceptance unconditionally. And so you realize the reason why you interact with people every day, the reason why things occur in your reality, and the reason why it happens the way it does, is because the way you're reacting to it is actually helping you to bring up the stagnant emotions that are stuck inside of our body Isn't from this portrayal of separation that we get the yeah. chance to heal yep. when we know the only reason why things are happening is just to help us become even more unconditional mm -hmm. in our relationship with reality as spirit, not separate from spirit, mm -hmm. then every single moment, life itself in the form of everyone becomes its own teaching. And, and, and that's truly what... I believe living in the awakened state is all about that whatever seems to be happening is truly happening. 
but it's only happening at this level of reality because of my ability to commit to it, and I'm committing to it because of what I can learn from it. And if I am interacting with a level of unconsciousness that is pushing me so far out of my comfort zone, I'll come out of this moment having realized how much more peace is truly within me, and that's truly a blessing. And so Mm -hmm. this is all just designed to get us out of our comfort zone, and whenever there is a space of consciousness portraying itself lost in the story of self, the Mm -hmm. only thing it does as as it commits to the character is hide in the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so it's the unraveling process. Mm-hmm. And so the trauma then is um, like uh, the teacher of the wake-up. Right. The, the, um, well, the, the, the trauma a lot of times is actually the realization of how impermanent the physical form and activity yeah, is. True. That when you're lost in the character of self, that self is trying to prolong that experience as long as possible because as long as it is self in that experience, Life is being pumped into self, and it's trying to make that momentary experience timeless. And yet, the initial teaching, the wake-up call, if you will, is that all physical experiences, all physical form, is impermanent. And yet, that impermanent expression of reality is expressed from what can only be permanent. Mm -hmm. And so we learn that things come, things go. When it's here, we bless it. And when it's it's time to go, we bless it on its way. Mm -hmm. But we don't attach ourselves to it because it doesn't define who we are. It's just an experience in the moment. And yet what we are can't really truly be defined in a mind that only likes to label things as what it's separate from. Yeah. And so it, it, it really kind of goes very deep and, and, of course, at this level, when we take the healing this deeply, the mind itself is fighting for job security. The mind itself is fighting uh, for survival because as the heart starts to open in this awakening, the, the separate self or the ego feels like it's disappearing. Oh, I still have so many questions I want to ask you, but I want to stop again to give out your information. Sure. Um, this is Reverend Bonnie Barnard, and I'm filling in tonight for Dr. Pat Basili on the Dr. Pat Show. And um, we have as our guest Matt Kahn, who, as you can tell from our interview, is absolutely phenomenal and um, brings to us um, some great truth. And we invite you to go to his website, which is themessengeronline.com, where you can order his CD, where you could learn about his appearances, and where you can get more information to be served for individual client sessions. That's www.themessengeronline.com. So I could talk for you with you forever about love, so I want to. <laughs> so, you know, when we're talking about um, the, the realization that this experience we have here on Earth is temporary. Right. Um, aren't there times when you are with Julie and you're just in that amazing eternal moment that that you do have the thought, wouldn't it be great if I were in this body forever? Hmm, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I, I every experience that Julie and I have is absolutely beautiful, um, and and I've often said this to Julie, and she knows this. And and what I tell to everyone else is the greatest way I can respect and honor the love that Julie provides to me is to love her with freedom. Yes. And that's to, and that's to hold our love close to me, you know, as a, as a cherished experience yes. and something that I will leave this planet with whenever that comes to be, with, with um, amazing grace and insight. 
but it really, my love for Julie is one where it's it's loving her with freedom, and so it's blessing every moment that we're together as the grace of spirit brings us together to have these experiences. And if for some reason there was a moment where that was no longer the case, I would simply be grateful for what has come to be, that I'm a better person for having this experience, and that what we have had has, has served us both, and I can only, uh, you know, imagine that we would take these experiences and make even greater blessings with it. It's one of those things where I have so much love for Julie, and I know she has for me, that neither one of us are willing to stand in the way yes. of, of each other and, and, what, and, and whatever purpose we imagine in the moment. So I think that um, the, the, the true blessing is yeah. that Julie's free, I'm free, and that we celebrate this love by choosing it in every moment. It's kind of paradoxical, isn't it? It's, well, it absolutely is, because it has to be paradoxical. You get to a certain place in consciousness yeah. where when you, when you learn something, you hope it's paradoxical, because once it's paradoxical, it confirms that, oh, if my mind doesn't get this, that lets me know there's some deep truth, truth in this. Yeah. When it's not paradoxical, you know that there's some concept that's been created as a way of serving the mind, and yet you know that in itself is going to be impermanent, temporary, and is not going to last. So it's almost one of those things where, you know, I've sat before people and talked to them about things on a very deep level, and they said, my heart totally gets what you're saying, but my mind doesn't understand. Yeah. And the mind not understanding is basically saying, I don't know how to make a picture of this. Right. I don't know how to separate this into stuff that I would label. It, yeah. I don't know how to reduce this into logic to make a story out of. Yeah. And, of course, when you're dealing with, you know, oneness, silence, we're not really looking at filling the mind with more stuff. We're looking at actually emptying out the mind and having a little yeah. bit of a spiritual garage sale. Yeah. And just kind of getting rid of what you don't need. And it's kind of like this fun little spiritual game, and I use the word fun very loosely, but it's one of those games of let's empty out and see what's left. It's a game of let's see what's left. And, and really there are... There are almost two parts of the spiritual journey. There is the hunting and gathering of information, and then there is the place of emptying out and seeing what's left. Absolutely. And so what I, what I help people deal with at whatever level of consciousness, because it really doesn't matter you know, if they want more money, if they want a life of freedom, if they want to heal from a trauma, a physical injury, um, a, emotional imbalances, well, whatever the case may be. This is basically giving me an indication. This is saying to me, this is, how, this is the invitation that this person is taking to empty out and see what's left. And so my job is to go into the mind of someone and escort them out. Mm-hmm. So you go into the mind of someone? What does that look like? Well, uh, metaphorically, we, you know... Well, I got it with a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go into the mind and escort them out, but it's really being able to, when I'm doing the healing work I'm doing, it's uh-huh. the transmission of presence, it's really going into and working with the subconscious mind. Yeah. Uh, getting the conscious mind out of the way, right? The conscious mind that will always say, I don't understand this, because it sure. only acknowledges what it can see, because it uses the eyes like telescopes, so that's the perception of reality. And going into the subconscious mind, which is really almost the control panel, and being able to... Ooh, I like the way you said that. Yeah, reset things that are going on because the conscious mind is basically just making up stories based, based on the combinations of, of what's in the subconscious mind. And so if we can go into the subconscious mind and take all these books that are in that library shelf and if we can start to get rid of the books that are just stories that once served us, 
but are just old and stagnant, we can kind of receive the wisdom of that, but we can clear those shelves out, and then no longer is this subconscious motivation that keeps us acting in a way that is no longer in alignment with who we wish to be. So, um, so when an individual has an insight about yeah. um, something that is in the way of their sub in their subconscious mind, right, and they're wanting to um, release it, transform it, transmute it, whatever, right. What is a process that they can do? One of the things I think it's very simple for everyone to learn how to do. It's the space in which we can live in to allow healing to occur on any level mm-hmm. is the space of acceptance. And so okay. what that means is, is, you know, there's a lot of people that want to silence their mind. People want to meditate better. There's all these things that people have as goals that, that are beautiful goals, mm-hmm. but oftentimes we can get lost in the technique of something, of practicing something and never getting to the, to the true essence of it. And so when we're in a space of acceptance, mm-hmm. right, it's not that we're in conflict with our mind anymore. It, it's, it's the space of, oh, I have this thought. I'm not going to judge myself for the thought. I'm going to realize that the thought is just commentary of what is is healing itself. I have this feeling, and this feeling is, my mind may say this is negative. But on a deep level, we have to realize we oftentimes are so lost in the story, we don't ever sense when those blockages come into our awareness. We're actually only feeling the negativity, which is actually the releasing of the energy on its way out. So when we have a negative feeling, you know, we basically can realize, oh, this is just me becoming aware of the energy on its way out. Whatever I'm feeling is, in fact, healing. And I can accept the fact that I'm feeling this. This is occurring. It's perfectly appropriate. It's perfectly appropriate that whatever thought I have is what my mind is saying. I'm not necessarily my mind. I am simply the one that hears my mind. I don't have to necessarily listen to my mind. And it's perfectly appropriate that all this is happening. I say okay to my thought. I say okay to the feeling. I say okay to the situation. And okay is basically the willingness that says, in my ability to serve spirit, I say yes to experiencing this moment, and all I will provide this moment is a space of peace. I will not disturb it from its ability to teach me and show me what I need to be shown, to release from within what is ready to go, And if there is any part of me that gets destroyed within this moment, it was never real to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so we start to realize the deepest parts of who we are is like a Buddha statue. And the Buddha statue says yes to everything. It says okay to everything because it only recognizes every moment as a different aspect of itself. The Buddha statue sits there and says yes to everything because everything it sees it is. Mm -hmm. And so we just learn to be in that space of acceptance. There's nothing wrong with our thoughts. There's nothing wrong with our feelings. And in fact, it is the constant portrayal of who we are that keeps us from healing, and all these feelings that we're having is just part of the healing process. Okay, and so then, then someone who's struggling with that, right. um, it, could look like, it could look like meditation, it could look like breathing, it could look like right. um, just saying, as you mentioned, a mantra to yourself of I accept what is. Right, and I right. think yeah, I think the breathing is a really key thing too. The acceptance is really the first level. Um, when when we are in the midst of an emotional disruption, let's say, or what I call stuckness releasing itself. Okay, that's good. Emotional disruption. Right, <laughs> that that sensation of stuckness uh-huh. in the form of jealousy, hatred, sadness, depression, indifference, apathy, even even um, frustration or boredom, which is which are very tricky ones. Uh-huh. 
mm-hmm. um, because boredom is one that we, we, we constantly um, misunderstand as thinking that's who we are. Um, when this disruption occurs, we have to realize that this stuckness in our body is a manifestation of spirit, which means this stuckness inside of you is a teacher to you. And the teacher within you can't let go, can't literally be sent back to spirit as part of the wholeness. It can't literally live its life purpose until it can be certain that it's leaving you more peaceful than when it got there. Oh, that's, oh. But that's, that's a really big well realization. Said. And so when we accept, okay, here I am in this moment, let's say I'm in the grocery store, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden someone cuts me off with their cart because they weren't obeying the laws of the uh, aisle, <laughs> right, which sure. who, who, does, who doesn't get upset about that? And I have this stuckness that comes up. I first realize, okay, that person only intentionally or unintentionally cut me off because by them cutting me off, mm-hmm. it brings up the stuckness that is letting me know this is now ready to heal. So I can on one level thank them for doing that because I never knew I was carrying the stuckness with me. Mm-hmm. I accept the fact that this is happening right now. As the stuckness comes up, I am going to take some deep and slow breaths. I'm going to breathe with the stuckness because as I take deep, slow breaths, I bring myself deeper into that space of peace that tells this teacher. I am not distracted by this emotion that, 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 that seems to be what I'm identifying you with. You are really a teacher in disguise, and I know this teacher is ready to be excused once it knows it's leaving me in a more peaceful place than when it got here. And on another level, parallel to that, you breathing with the stuckness, is a moment when spirit is helping you to open up your arms as wide to stuckness as you would to join happiness. And that creates unconditional nature. Yeah, isn't that powerful? Yeah, and that's, and that's truly a gift that when you can say, what's here is beautiful. If it's joyful, that's beautiful. And if, when it comes, it's beautiful. When it goes, it's beautiful. And if something comes in the form of something that is not as joyful, I will simply find the beauty in that. It is all beautiful, and it is beautiful on an unconditional level. And and what that really does in people's lives is it not only balances their energetic, um, their their energy levels, their energetic field, it not only opens up their chakras, heals the physical body, clears the mind, opens the heart, all these kind of great things, but what it does is it really gets you uh, to a deeper level of having an intimate relationship with reality. Yeah. I remember I said to my friend once, because he said, you know, what's, what's different about you? How do you see life differently now with all this stuff happening to you? And I said, it's not that I believe God exists. It's that I believe only God exists. Right. And that people can't be clever enough anymore to earn my love, and they can't be dastardly yeah. enough for me to pull my love away. Yeah. That in every single moment, what I have for every single human being is the willingness to love it all. And in the beginning of this process of love, we don't start at love because what truly awakens from within is only when it happens on an authentic or a sincere level. We start with acceptance, that I start by just accepting that everyone on this planet, as I interact with them, is here to create a moment with me where I can learn to be more accepting and peaceful and that they truly only represent parts of myself that I'm learning to have a more intimate relationship with. What a, what a lovely um, way to end. We're wrapping up. And um, what, a lovely, what a lovely way to, like, escort our evening out is <laughs> the idea that everyone who shows up for us is showing up so that we can learn more peace and acceptance. 
absolutely very humbling, and it's 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 the mind is insistent on saying, if something more than what I can see exists, I must know what it is. Yeah. All we need to know is that there is far more happening than what we can see. We don't need to necessarily know what's happening because then we just, you know, get lost in the mind wearing a different costume. We're just here to simply become more comfortable in the not knowing. And like I said, what makes that easier to do is just providing that space where we can just find that space within us that's already doing that. It's kind of like there's no need to really try to do anything. Yeah. Find that within you that's already effortlessly doing that and get to know that. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Matt Kahn, you have just been such a delight to spend an hour with tonight. Likewise. I um um I'm actually I live in Phoenix and I'm gonna be jumping in my car tomorrow and driving up to Seattle and I will be there for a month and I will definitely look you up and see if I can't attend a thought song. I would love to see you. At East West and I invite all the other listeners to please feel free to join us. Um, it, for more information on Matt and his work, please go to www.themessengeronline.com www.themessengeronline.com This is Reverend Bonnie Barnard filling in for Dr. Pat on the Dr. Pat Show, and both Matt and I tonight send you forth with absolute divine love and blessings and know that your life has been more enriched by having spent just a moment together. Peace and love.